is today. Today? It is Wednesday, my dude. is gonna be great! <laughs> Alright everybody, Pastor Adam here. It's Wednesday, it's time for the Wednesday devotional podcast thingy, whatever you want to call it. Uh, and today, we're going to be talking about Footloose. I should be wearing my Footloose t-shirt because I, I actually was wearing it Monday and that's why I couldn't, you know, it's still in the laundry, all that kind of thing. So instead I'm wearing the, you know, don't you forget about me, the Breakfast Club t-shirt. Maybe I'll watch that next. I don't know. But anyways, after watching Footloose, see, it came about this way. Uh, Lola, for some reason, wanted to watch Footloose, probably because I was wearing the t-shirt the other day. So Monday night, we started watching it. We finished it last night. Um, but I had some thoughts watching Footloose again. You know, I've seen it a lot, but not so much as an adult. I've seen it like a hundred times as a kid couple times in the probably in my 20s 30s but now in my 40s this this time looking through it i have some thoughts so brief synopsis of the movie we got ren mccormick who's the bad boy from chicago who moves to small town i think it's in utah uh he listens to rock music uh loves dancing but then i have to think is he really a bad boy because uh first of all his sport is gymnastics Nothing against gymnastics, but I don't see bad boy in gymnastics. He dances angry. Like when he's mad, he goes and he dances angry. And also, a bad boy, I don't know, there's a scene where um, Ariel, who's the love interest in the in the movie, where she asks him to kiss him, and he's like, mm, you look like you kissed a lot of boys. And she's like, and so he won't. I don't know if it's bad boy material, just to be honest. I'm just saying. Maybe I'm wrong, but... I mean, if you think about the gymnastics aspect, I, I, I got to think that the writer of the movie is like, yeah, I'm going to write this bad. He was probably really into gymnastics. And then he gave it to, to his family to read. And they're like, do you sure you want to do gymnastics? How about football? And he's like, gymnastics is so hard. We get it. All right, you like gymnastics. This just, I don't know. Just my thought. But so Ariel, again, she's the love interest. She's also the pot stir of the... Uh, of the movie, she causes a lot of problems. I'm gonna go ahead and say that right now. Then you have John Lithgow as Reverend Shaw, uh, who seems to be in charge of this little town, and it's also Ariel's dad. And then we have Diane West, who plays Vi, who's Ariel's mom. So in the this in this movie, the town had to deal with this tragedy in the not so distant future in that setting. Um, the death of some kids from drinking and driving after I think that they were at a dance or coming something like that. One of these kids who died is Ariel's brother, and that's Reverend Shaw's son. So in the in the aftermath of this tragedy, dancing is outlawed. It is a law that you cannot dance. So here's where my age and my experience changes my perspective on this movie. See, young Adam watching the movie was like, Reverend Shaw's the worst. Today, I'm like, I mean, I kind of get why he does 
some of the things you don't. See, if we we put him, if we go into his, Reverend Shaw's position, right? He's reeling from the loss of of his child, which is devastating. Just the thought of losing a loved one like that, your your child, you're not supposed to outlive your children. It's just gut wrenching and it hurts and sad. It's just so he's still processing this. He's still mourning it even years later. And he's trying to do whatever he can to protect the daughter that he has right now. And what's Ariel doing? She's rebelling. She's in full on rebellion mode. She's, I mean, at the oh, one of the opening scenes, she's riding in a car. She gets out to go into her, they're driving down the road. She gets out of the car, puts her other foot on this, her boyfriend's truck. Then she just cruises down the road, could kill herself. Real bad judgment right there, right? And they almost get hit by a truck. She's, she's, she's trouble. She's drinking. She's smoking. She's having sex. She gets into fights. She gets into fist fights with her boyfriend. It's like she's just a troublemaker. She's causing a lot of trouble, making a lot of problems for people. And Reverend Shaw, seeing a lot of this going on, he's like, you're out of control. I'm taking everything away. And she's like, what are you going to do? Take da-? Dancing is gone. Dancing is outlawed. Now, here's why I kind of understand what he's saying. My daughter is having some rebellion issues going on right now, and, and it's hard to deal with. So I get it. He's doing whatever he can to try and protect uh, not only his family, but the community. Because here's the thing. He believes what he is saying is right. But, I mean, obviously he's taking it a bit too far. Now, Vi, her mother in the movie, she cares for her daughter. She sees the things that she's doing that are not great, right? But she still believes in the good of Ariel and still advocates for her. And throughout this movie, I'm kind of identifying more with her than Reverend Shaw, even though, you know, I'm the pastor here in real life. Because in my own daughter, I still believe in the good that she has. I believe she has enough moral sense and belief in Christ for her to get through this time. And I for sure worry about her and I want to set certain boundaries, but I also want her to make decisions and deal with consequences on her own as well. I just don't want it to be, you know, like life-threatening stuff. So I, I still talk to her and I try to reason with her. Um, and because even when I see a complete lack of judgment on her behalf, which happens quite frequently, if I just yell at her and take everything away, I know that that's just going to push her farther away faster. And so it sucks right now, this, this spot that we're in, but... I want this relationship, a good relationship with her. Not only, I mean, I want it now, but I want it in the future too. So it's like a hard balance of what we want to do. I mean, take Reverend Shaw. His, the way he was doing things, he takes almost everything away from her, including dancing. Because he says that type of music 
leads to fornication, drinking, and drugs. Well, the problem is all those things the kids are doing in that town already. I mean, his own daughter is already having sex. She's drinking as well. And um, so stopping the music and the dancing isn't going to change anything. I mean, when Ren was uh, butthurt and in his feelings about whatever was going on, he drove to a warehouse drinking and driving and smoking and angry dancing. So where did he get the booze and the ciggies? Uh, that's in town. Somebody gave it to him. So, so you can't outlaw dancing but leave the booze and the cigarettes and all that. It's just a, you know, it's still happening. So stopping the music is do that. Another reason why I identify with Vi rather than Reverend Shaw is because I can't envision a scenario where a town would put me in charge. I mean, it would be a real weird town, to be honest with you, because if I was in charge, instead of dancing being outlawed, I would make it mandatory. I, I, I was thinking about it every Tuesday at three o'clock, it's Dance Party USA time in the town square. So every business I would mandate had to let their employees out for an hour break to go get the boogie on. And people are like, that's crazy, Adam. Why would you do that? I'd use the same scriptures Ren used when addressing city council. Psalm 149.3, let, let them praise his name with dancing. Let them sing praise to him with timbrel and lyre. Second Samuel, and David, Second Samuel 6.14, and David was dancing before the Lord with all his might, and David was wearing a linen ephod. And then Ecclesiastes 3.1-4. This would be the mic drop thing here. I would say, there's a time for everything and a season for every activity under the heavens. A time to be born, a time to die, a time to plant, a time to uproot, a time to kill, and a time to heal, a time to tear down, and a time to build, a time to weep, and a time to laugh, and a time to mourn, and a time to dance. And that time is 3 o'clock on a Tuesday. That's what I'd say. Moving on. There's a scene in the movie which really stands out to me. And as I was watching it last night, it was like, really made me think. So here it is. Here's a scene in which Ariel and Reverend Shaw talk in the church as he prepares his sermon for Sunday. And I beheld and heard an angel flying through the midst of heaven saying with a loud voice, woe, woe, woe to the inhabitants of the earth. And I saw a star fall from heaven unto the earth. And the angel was given the key to the bottomless pit. And he opened the bottomless pit. And there arose a smoke out of the pit as the smoke of a great furnace. And the sun and the air were darkened by reason of the smoke of the pit. Yes? I used to get such a kick out of watching you work up your sermons. And now? It's different. I see the stage, I see costumes. It's show business, isn't it? Well, it's the only way I know to reach people's emotions. So in the small town, in the small church, she asks, 
It's all about show business, isn't it? I mean, you look at that stage that she's talking about in that small town, and you compare that to the stage that I lead worship on, compared to mega church stages and setups. And she's asking if it's about show business. I mean, I want, I desperately don't want it to be about show business. My heart is to be authentic and real, especially in worship. I even wrote a song called Big Show that's, that lays it all out how I don't want to be a part of the big show. But I ask myself, am I? I have lights. There is a hazer. I plan things out. I pick the songs, what I want to do. I, I talk about the transitions. Uh, am I putting on a show? I, I don't want to. I plan, the, the reason why I plan songs is I, I, I think of what the songs are saying. What I want you as a congregation, as the listener, to think about as you worship. Now, there's one thing that I specifically don't do, which a lot of people do, which I don't think is a good or a bad thing, but I don't plan anything that I'm going to say. I don't pre-think of what I'm going to you know, like maybe I'll have a scripture. I'm like, oh yeah, this is a good scripture. I'll put that in there. But I don't plan out prayers. I don't plan out anything really other than the songs. So so I could be more in the moment. Maybe people think I could be a little more polished on that. Maybe they're right. I don't know. But I think that if I was planning every word that I was going to say, a prayer and all that, maybe then it would, I'd feel more like it's a show. But I don't know. Now, I've heard... People come up to me and say they love the worship here because it's like they're going to a concert, which I know they mean in a good way, but I don't necessarily want to give you a concert every Sunday. Now, on the other hand, Reverend Shaw says, when she asks, is it all about show business? He says, it's the only know, the only way I know how to reach people's emotions. So he is doing everything in his power to reach his people to make a change, reaching people's emotions moves them. And, and I think that we can all agree on that. So if you're using your talents and your resources to do good, to share the gospel, to move people farther along in their faith, is that bad? I don't, I don't think that makes it bad. But it does make me think, for sure, I don't believe in manipulating because I've seen that as well. But on the other hand, I don't think a particular song, when it comes to my what, what I'm doing, I don't think a particular song can manipulating into a particular emotion because you have to have that belief in the words of the song to get you to that emotional state, if that makes sense. So, so for instance, when, when I got a little caught up, misty-eyed, and the song multiplied at a Need to Breathe concert, it wasn't because of what was going on stage. It wasn't the light show. It wasn't the haze. It wasn't the people around me. It wasn't the decibel level or anything like that. It was because I believed the message of the song. I was emotional from hearing and worshiping in that truth. But I guess that was a concert. So now I'm kind of rethinking my previous statement about putting a concert on every Sunday. I don't know. Like I said, the movie makes me think. Now, lastly, 
that clip that I just showed you, there's a second half and there's another component I want to talk about there. So here it is. I haven't heard from you for a while. When was it? Thursday? I was angry, you were angry. I was not. Yes, you were. If you weren't, you would have asked me what was wrong. You knew. Ariel, I cannot let this dance happen. Ren McCormick made a lot of people stop and think. I object to that kind of music, and I think you know why. Because people fornicate to it. I never said that. That's what you told the church board. That was not meant for your ears. Well, when do my ears get old enough, Daddy? When do you stop protecting me? I'm no saint, you know. It is my duty to look after the spiritual growth of you. I'm young... not even a virgin. Don't you talk like that in here. Why not? Isn't this why I'm supposed to confess my sins to my preacher? In church! So in the second half of the clip, we see Reverend Shaw get upset with his daughter with her outburst, saying that she's no saint. Now, all of us watching the movie are like, yeah, we know, sister. We have seen what you've been doing. It's a little reckless. A lot of sin going on there, right? So you're not surprising us with anything. But she tells him, I'm no saint. And then she says, I'm not even a virgin. And then he was like, loses it. He goes, don't you say that in here. Now, this, this, so then she says, isn't this what we're supposed to do at church? Confess our sins and, and to, confess our, to confess our sins to the preacher in church. So I kind of get both sides of this clip because for Reverend Shaw, as a dad, you don't want to hear that from your daughter. But at the same time, she's right. That is something we need to do at church. So many times, everybody just comes to church on Sunday morning portraying their best versions of themselves when, in actuality, it's not real. I, I know a lot of people here are a mess. And when they show up at church and look like the per picture-perfect family, I know that it's not real. I mean, they, they look like they have everything together, but underneath this fake image, there is a broken, desperate person and so we need to come to church and lay down our sins and our struggles at the cross. Stop hiding your sins and, and share what you're going through. Let's get real and reach out to fellow brothers and sisters in Christ because it helps. I was thinking about this because um, this past Sunday we had baptisms. And in these baptisms, there's a video where people can share their testimony. Um, and there's a woman who was just baptized, Danine Geary. And she said in her baptism testimony that she was sort of like at the end of a rope. So she called a friend from church to talk. And that friend, in the midst of talking on the phone, invited her to come over. She ended up going over to this friend's house and they both talked all night and cried. And that night, her friend ministered to her and asked if she was living for Christ, which she said, no, she wasn't, which had led to life change. Things have changed for her. I'm kind of paraphrasing what she said, but but this one act of reaching out to a friend had changed everything. God used this to move her from one step to the next where she was baptized, and it was amazing. And, and then Deneen said that she looked like everything was good, like everything was under control to the outside world, but it wasn't before that. So don't be like that. Let's get real. Let's reach out to friends, church members, pastors, 
confess our sins, take the next step in our faith. That is what church is for. You know what else is a good place to do that? Small groups. You know, it's the thing that the majority of people at this church are not involved in. But it's amazing. We know what's going on in everybody's lives in our small group. And we pray for one another. We're there. We hold each other accountable. There's a lot of good things going on. You can do that too. It's good for you. So, who'd have thought Footloose would, would lead to a Wednesday devotional like this? I sure didn't. Next week, maybe, I don't know, I'll have a Devo from Breakfast Club or Fast Times at Ridgemont High. I don't know. We're just going to see how it goes. So, that's what I have for you today. Hope you have a good one. Please share this with friends, and I will see you next time.